just want to, I just, I tell you what, I just feel the presence of the Lord in this, in this house. A couple weeks ago, um, last week was Mother's Day, I, I, and I talked about moms, and uh, how many know moms are important? If it wasn't for your mom, you wouldn't be here. True story. Like it, don't like it. If it wasn't for your mom, you wouldn't be here today. And uh, the week before, I talked about uh, walking in the spirit, and uh, I'm going to lead into that. I, I, I want to just kind of, I've got a lot of ground to cover today um, concerning uh, what I feel like that we need to know. Some of it's going to be teaching, some of it's going to be maybe a little bit of preaching, but I want you to leave here with an understanding of what the Holy Spirit is. Now, next week is Pentecost Sunday. What does that mean for you and me? It is 50 days after Jesus uh, was crucified and, and rose from the dead, and it was a, a feast that they celebrated in, in, in Jewish culture. It was the, the, the uh, Feast of Pentecost, and Jesus told the disciples after he rose from the dead, he was there 40 days, you know, appearing to them at different times, and then he told the disciples to go to Jerusalem and to wait, and so I don't want to get too far into my what I'm going to talk about today, but and he said that he was going to send a, a comforter. As a matter of fact, I'll just, I'll just read this. In John 14, it says this. Uh, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, this is Jesus speaking, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So Jesus' words, this is Jesus' words to the disciples. John 14th chapter we love to quote that scripture a lot in, in uh, funerals because it says, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in me, believe also in my Father. For uh, if I go away, I'm going to prepare a mansion for you. As he goes on to say, Jesus is saying this, and he's talking about uh, going to heaven. But he says, when I go away, guess what? You're not going to be left alone. How many know that, that Jesus just doesn't leave you alone? And he told his disciples, I'm going to send a, a comforter, and I, we're, we're going to talk about that. So uh, today... I, I'm going to kind of lead into this, um, and I want you guys to open your ears. Be responsive. If you're a note taker, take some notes today. I think there's some things. Now, I was raised uh, Pentecostal. Now, I'm Pentecostal to the bone, okay? Uh, I w my parents are Pentecostal preachers. I hold uh, a license with the Pentecostal organization. That is, that is the core of who I am. Now, have Pentecostals messed up? Yes, they have. Have all denominations messed up? Yes, they have. You know, that's the problem with denominations is oftentimes uh, we, get, we, we get stuck on a doctrine or we get stuck in an error of, of way of doing things. And no denomination is perfect. I just want to say that. But uh, I want to talk to you about Pentecost. And today I want to talk to you on this subject of reaching for the dove. Everyone say reaching for the dove. All right. And this is just a simple lesson on the Holy Spirit. Okay. Reaching for the dove. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 8. And you're like, man, we're not going to the book of Acts. No, we're going to Genesis chapter 8. What I love about Scripture and what I love about the Bible is, and you've heard me say this, especially I say this a lot on Wednesday nights, is um, for every uh, New Testament principle, there's an Old Testament example. So if there's a New Testament principle, you ought to be able to find something in the Old Testament that will, that will show you what that principle is. So Genesis chapter 8 is a very, very, very popular story. I think most of you know this story. How many uh, grew up in Sunday school? Kids church, children's church. How many of you had one of those uh, 
maybe you didn't, had one of those little Bibles, that, like kids' Bibles growing up. Anybody have one of those? All right. I can almost guarantee that in that Bible, there is a story of a man who built an ark. And his name was? All right, good. And we're going to look at the end of this story. Now, you know the story that God had, had, had told Noah to build an ark, and it had not rained in the land before. And Noah starts obediently building an ark, and, and many thought that, that he was crazy when he built the ark. And so he, he built the ark. They all thought he was crazy when he built the ark, but they all didn't think he was crazy when it started raining and the door was shut. All right, I'm going to leave that one right there. But here's Noah and his family. They're in the ark, and they're on the uh, and the rain came up, and it flooded, and 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 the earth was flooded, and for forty days and nights there they were. And so then he's at this place in Genesis chapter eight, verse six through nine. It says this: At the end of forty days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made, and sent forth a raven. It went to and fro until the waters were dried up. From the earth. So the raven he let loose and the, the, the raven just kept going and going and going and going and going. All right. Uh, then he sent forth a dove. Everyone say a dove. Uh, from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place to set her foot. And she turned to him to the ark. For the waters were still on the face of the whole earth. So we put out his hand and took her and brought her into the ark with him. Let me read that last portion again. Then he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place to set her foot, and she turned to him to the ark. For the waters were still on the face of the whole earth, so he put out his hand, or he reached out his hand, and he took her and brought her into the ark with him. Today, I want to talk to you guys about the subject of reaching for the dove. Will you bow your heads with me? God, I thank you for your word. I, I'm, I'm just grateful, God, for the opportunity, Lord, to, to speak on your behalf, God, I am nothing without you. God, I pray today, Lord, that I would be an oracle of you, God. I pray, Lord, that the words that come from my mouth would not be my own. Lord, that they would be yours. I pray, Lord, that we would leave here transformed, that we would leave here changed, God, that our spirits would be charged, God, and that, Lord, we would go forth doing the work that you have called us to do. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, everyone look at your neighbor smile at them real big. Show them your teeth. All right, now look at your neighbor on the other side who you don't like as much. Smile at them. All right, I just want to make sure you guys are awake, okay? Uh, look at one of your neighbors and just shake them and say, hey, wake up. All right. John chapter 14, verse 26, it says this, and I read this earlier, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, this is Jesus speaking, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So helper here comes from the, the Greek word. And any, any Greek scholars in the house? All right, good. All right. A helper here comes from the Greek word paraclete. Everyone say paraclete. It's like a pair of cleats, just mi minus this. Paraclete, okay? Paraclete, which means counselor and... 
or advocate. That's somebody that is standing in the gap for you. The Holy Spirit is, is, is compared to a dove in Scripture, not just in one instance, but, but throughout Scripture many, many times. Now listen, why is that important? The Holy Spirit's not compared to a hawk. You know why it's not compared to a hawk? Because hawks like to squawk. I, at Screech, I live out in the, in the country, and I hear hawks all the time, and they're all constantly screeching, and they're constantly calling. And, but the Holy Spirit is not compared to a hawk because the Holy Spirit doesn't squawk, and the Holy Spirit doesn't screech. How many hear what I'm saying? All right. The Holy Spirit's not compared to a raven. You know the ugliest birds in the world? Buzzards. How many love to look at buzzards? I didn't think there was very many. Mary, someone over here. Oh, I like buzzards. Yeah. All right. And, and the Holy Spirit is not a raven or it's not a buzzard. The Holy Spirit, what, what do buzzards do? They go and they pick at dead things. How many have almost hit a buzzard on the road? How many have tried to hit a buzzard on the road? All right. Some of you are right. <laughs> All right. Uh, but buzzards, what they do is they go and they pick at things things that are dead and things that are rotting. The Holy Spirit doesn't do that. The Holy Spirit is not here to pick at you. It's not what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is not a duck. He's not a quack. Some of you know what I'm saying right now. The Holy Spirit is not compared to a peacock. The Holy Spirit is not showy. Matter of fact, you need to understand something about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit always points to Jesus. Always. The Holy Spirit is not compared to, to, to a peacock. The Holy Spirit is not compared to an ostrich. The Holy Spirit doesn't put his head down in the sand. And the Holy Spirit is always, always there to guide our lives. And, and it's compared to doves. Now, something interesting about doves. Did you know this? I didn't know this. I think this is pretty interesting. You know, doves have more oil on their feathers than any other bird, and the purpose of that oil is to remove dirt from their feathers. How many know that we need the dirt moved out of our lives? How many know we need the Holy Spirit to help remove sin and get things out of our lives? How many, how many hear me say amen? All right. And here's the other thing doves are. They're loyal to their mates. Do you know they, they have one mate their whole life? Have you? We had doves that would come to our house when we lived in California. We had a nest, and we left that nest there on purpose. And every year, these doves would come, and they would have their little babies, and we would we would always be checking on them. We'd make sure the dog wasn't going to be able to get to them. You know, my dog's vicious. Some of you know that story, but but anyways, uh, but but doves they would come, and 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 they would be there in a pair, and they would and and they were mates. Can I, can I tell you this? The Holy Spirit is loyal. Matter of fact, when we reject the Holy Spirit or when we reject God, the Holy Spirit mourns and is grieved. Uh, they're loyal in their life. And, and the, the, the Holy Spirit, however, it, it is a dove. It, it's gentle and it's pure and it's acceptable and pleasing and beautiful and loyal. Let me explain something to you. When I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, uh, God is made of three parts. God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, and triunal and one, all right? And we believe that here. And I can tell you this, that the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you if you allow him. I talked about that walking in the Spirit. I said as Christians, our lives should not be boring. A couple weeks ago, I said that our lives should not be boring. Our lives should be pretty exciting because the Holy Spirit's just leading us and we're just trusting him day by day by day. Talked about that. I compared Paul and Philip 
and, and a couple of those, uh, Peter and those great men, about how God used them in a mighty way because they surrendered their heart to him and said, hey, Lord, you show me where to go. Lord, you tell me who to speak to. And God did amazing things through them. So, and Jesus taught us about the Holy Spirit. There's, there's three things I want to talk to you about with, with concerning Jesus about the Holy Spirit. The first thing that Jesus talked about, and you can go to John chapter 14, verse 7. Um, I'm going to be there quite a bit today, John chapter 14. But the first thing that Jesus talked about is the Holy Spirit is with you. We need to understand something. Um, when you, as a believer, and I'll get to this. Well, let me, let me read this. John chapter 14, verse 7 says this. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him, you know him, for he dwells in you. What does that mean, TJ? What is that saying? The spirit with you. When you become a believer, okay, when you become a believer, and I've got, I, I can, I'll, I'll prove this to you, and you, you, can, you can argue doctrine all you want. When you become a believer, the Holy Spirit comes in and takes up residence in your heart. Does that mean that I'm infilled with the Holy Spirit or baptized with the Holy Spirit? No, two different things. Two different things. See, you cannot be a believer and not have the Holy Spirit in you. All right? Uh, the first relationship uh, a, a person has with the Holy Spirit is the Spirit with you. And I'm going to show you something. Now, remember that word I said, you know, the Greek word paraclete. I was talking about a helper. Well, the Greek word here in that scripture where it says with, okay, it says even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells, what, with you. That word there is, is para, which means alongside. So the way that could read is you know him for he is alongside you or he is beside you. Let me give you an example here. Uh, an example would be like, how many joggers do we have in the house? How many people like to jog? Nobody. Man, that bared witness in my soul. <laughs> how many would rather go jogging with someone than by yourself? Right? Because what happens when you're jogging, when you, you start battling in your mind, when your body gets tired, you're like, I'm going to start walking because I've got nobody keeping track on me. And it, it's just me versus myself here. And so you're jogging. But what that scripture says, he is with you or he is beside you or he is alongside you, what that means is like you going out for a jog and the Holy Spirit is like your personal trainer sitting there going, come on, come on, come on, come on. You got this. Keep going. Keep going. Keep, keep, keep going. Right? And he is pushing you and he is making you better when we become believe, believers of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is in us. It's that small, still voice that tells you when you are doing something you shouldn't be doing. That's called conviction. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And the Holy Spirit spiritually is like having your own personal trainer to give you advice and to say, hey, do this, don't do that. Slow down. Pace yourself. And he's there to give guidance. If it was not uh, for the Holy Spirit coming beside you or alongside you, you wouldn't be here today. I'm going to show you. Now look at this. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13 says this. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who were born not of blood, 
nor of the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of who? But of who? All right. And if you believed on Jesus, it's because the Holy Spirit drew you. You need to understand that. You need to know that. The Holy Spirit came, and I like this word, wooed you. How many were wooed by your spouse? It was kind of a good example. I, you know, when Tristan wanted to date me, she, she would call me. <laughs> you guys believe that one second? So when I wanted to date Tristan, you know what I did? I picked up the phone. That was before texting. Landlines. She couldn't afford a cell phone back in that day, all right? And, and, I, and I called, and Tristan's dead. Hello? Uh, uh, is Tristan there? Who's this? Uh, TJ? Tristan! And I talked to her, and I wanted to get to know her, and I wanted to spend time with her. Can I tell you this? The Holy Spirit wants to spend time with you. He wants to get to know you. He's calling you, and he's calling your name today. Uh, it's important to know and remember that the Holy Spirit always points towards Jesus. When we come in here and, and we worship, we're worshiping Jesus. We're giving him adoration. The Holy Spirit may draw us to God, but he always points back towards Jesus. He never takes credit. The Holy Spirit will not draw attention to himself, but always points towards Jesus. And, and, and we need to understand something. We don't worship the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit won't let us worship him. Matter of fact, he'll, he'll divert the attention back towards Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. So how many can remember the day that you were saved? All right. A few of you can remember the day. Some of you need some memory medicine. Or it's been a long time. Or and how many can remember the day that you were saved or brought into a relationship with Jesus? How many remember... All right, think about this, the day that you're saved, how do you remember the feeling of, of conviction and the pull of the Holy Spirit that was on your heart when, when God saved you? Now, you've heard me tell my story about how I was in the balcony at, at, this, at this big event, and I was, fighting, I was fighting the Holy Spirit that day, and I was in my mind making every excuse not to respond to Jesus. The Holy Spirit was pointing me towards Jesus, and I was doing everything I could to not respond and you've heard me tell this story. The, the speaker looked up right where I was at in the balcony. There's no way he could have ever known. And he pointed right at me and said, the devil's telling you to stay right there. And I got up. I started crying. And I just broke down because I knew the Holy Spirit was calling me. And if you're here today and you don't know if you have a relationship with Jesus and you have a tugging at your heart this morning, can I tell you what that is? That's the Holy Spirit wooing you. He's calling you. He's beckoning on, uh, to you to come and to come into fellowship with Jesus. Jesus said the Holy Ghost is the Spirit with you. Here's the second thing that Jesus said. This, the Holy Ghost is the Spirit in you. Holy Ghost is the Spirit with you. Now the second thing, the Holy Ghost is the Spirit in you. John chapter 14, verse 7. The second part of that verse says this. And will be in you. Can you go back to that first part for me? Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Go to that second part again. Or, and will be in you. Everyone say will be in you. That word uh, can be translated there. Uh, in can be translated to is. Okay. Uh, and will, I'm sorry, be can be translated to is. So everyone say, 
and will, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. I'm trying to figure out which word I translated there, and I didn't write it down, obviously. Is, someone help me out. Is in you, thank you. Man, it's been a long week. Here's what we need to know. Once you become a believer, the Holy Spirit comes in you. Um, it doesn't mean you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. It means the Holy Spirit is in you. And when did this happen for the disciples? Look at this. After Jesus died, he rose from the grave. I want you to look at the sequence of things here. Look at the sequence of things, how Jesus does this. He died. He rose from the grave. And there he's talking to his disciples in John chapter 20, verse 22. It says, it says this. Jesus breathed on them. <sighs> said, receive the Holy Spirit. That's what he did. You can look it up. You can check it out. And that was that moment. At that moment, at that point, they were born again, and the Spirit was in them. Look, Jesus had to finish the work on the cross. He had to raise from the dead. And then, <laughs> Spirit's in you. There it is, okay? So that's what happens to us when we ask Jesus into our heart, when we have a relationship with him. Uh, he is in us. And look at this. You need to understand that this is way before Acts chapter 2. Now, we're going to get to Acts chapter 2 next week. Before the Holy Spirit, had, he hadn't come, and Jesus hadn't left yet. Jesus said, I have to go away before he comes. And, and Jesus died on the cross, and he rose from the dead. He's showing up, and he's ministering to his disciples, you know, for 40 days. He's running around, and he's going from here to there, and he's blessing people and loving on people. And the Spirit is in them. Matter of fact, right after this moment is when Jesus deals with doubting Thomas. It is. If you read, if you read this, the next portion of Scripture, there's Thomas, and he, he is so confused that he's like, Lord, I, I need to see your hands. I need, to, I, need to, I need to know that you are who you say you are. And, and so right now, listen, right now under the sound of my voice, some of you are doubting God and wrestling with this wrestling with what's coming out of my mouth concerning the Holy Spirit. Some of you are struggling with that internally. Sometimes what we like to do is talk about the things of God that we can understand really easy, and then sometimes when it's a little bit difficult, we like to just shy away from it. But the truth of the matter is the Holy Spirit has, has come, and we need the Holy Spirit. He's in you. If you're a believer, he's in you. The Holy Spirit is trying to breathe on you because Jesus wants a relationship with you. Everyone go, Y'all need to brush your teeth. No, I'm just kidding. All right, listen. Romans chapter 8 9 say, how do you know that? Look at this. Paul would say this. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not, what? They do not belong to him. So we need to understand something there. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, which is the Holy Spirit, they do, they do not belong to him. What does that say? If you're saved, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. You understand that. So when we ask Jesus into our hearts and we confess our sins and we have a relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in us. Paul would say that. John uh, gave a great example of that. The infilling, the infilling or the baptism is different. The infilling of the Spirit is different than the baptism of the Holy Spirit that, that Jesus spoke about to his disciples in the upper room. Now, I, I'm just clarifying. I'm building, I'm building something here. I want you guys to understand. If you're with me, say, I'm with you, Pastor. All right, good. 
John the Baptist. Now, look at this. I talked about crazy John the Baptist like a few weeks ago. And he wasn't crazy, but, you know, I mean, he did wear camel hair and ate locusts and honey. So, but he had this ministry, John the Baptist, he had this ministry, and he would baptize people. And all he did was, was cry out, and there was one crying out in the desert. He was saying, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent, repent. That was what his message was, that people would come to him in droves, and he would bring them out in the water, and he'd dunk them down and say, repent. But look at this, John the Baptist he baptized with water, and then he would say this about Jesus. He said, the one that's coming after me, that he would baptize you with fire, speaking of the Holy Spirit. One speaks of getting my heart right with God. The next speaks with the next step that God has for all of us. Sure, you say, hey, yeah, we all have the Spirit when we believe, but can I ask you this? Does the Spirit have you? That's a good question. We all have the Spirit, but does the Spirit have you? Now, there's a difference there. There's a difference there. When we believe the Holy Spirit is in you and me. Now, here's the last thing that Jesus would say. Now, look at this. The Spirit upon you. Everyone say, the Spirit upon you. All right. Acts chapter 1, verse 7 and 8 says this. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So what's happening here in Acts chapter 1 here? Jesus is, is in his final moments with his disciples there, and he's about to ascend to heaven. And they're, they're concerned about Jesus establishing the kingdom of Israel. And they ask him that again, Lord, when are you going to establish the kingdom of Israel? And, he, and, and Jesus gives them this, this, this reminder, hey, it's not for you to know. Sometimes there's certain things we don't need to know. Sometimes it's just about trusting God when you don't have all the pieces of the puzzle. Sometimes that's not easy, but Jesus is telling even the, even the disciples there, hey, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But look at this, verse 8 says this, but you will, what? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So th the chapter, this chapter here is one chapter before the day of Pentecost. If you go one chapter to the right, you're going to go to Acts chapter 2, which I believe is the example of the modern church. That's, I believe that is the example that Christ set for us to be the church. It has not changed. Don't change the recipe. It's still relevant. It's still real. And the reason that they had multiplication to the church, the reason that they had, uh, 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 that they had so much success at the early church is because they didn't depend on their own power, but they depended on the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, hey, you will receive power. Power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Spirit is upon you is what it says. That Jesus would even quote that scripture as a young man in the temple, quoting Isaiah. Spirit is upon me because he has appointed me to teach the good news. Do you know that the spirit of God wants to be upon you? And the reason for that is so you will have power and so that you will be the Lord's witnesses. He has appointed you to teach and to preach the good news. Say, how do I do that? You do that with your life. Maybe you don't do it up here on Sunday morning. Maybe you don't do it on Wednesday, but you do it when you go to work. You do it when you go to the store. You do it with how you respond to people on your, on your daily interactions. See, Jesus told them the first sign will be that you will receive power. And it's not like 
the power of a superhero, but power to be the Lord's witness doesn't mean that, that signs and miracles won't follow you. But in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would move on men, and, and, and if you look, would move on men and move on women, and they would be, as soon as the Holy Spirit moved on them, they would move in, in a mighty power with a purpose. The movement, the power of the Holy Spirit, it's not for me to just come and, and feel Holy Ghost bumps and go home and, and get satisfied, but it's to move me to action. I like the book of Acts because it starts with A-C-T-E-S, you know, which I think is action. The Lord wants us to be moving. Action. You remember the story. I'll give you a good Old Testament example. The story of Samson, right? And, and Samson uh, was tricked by Delilah. Matter of fact, I just think he was pretty, pretty dumb with Delilah because she tried to get him like three times. And then finally she figured out. He finally told her what was, what was the source of his strength. And so she finally put a razor to his hair. And then he lost his strength, but they were able to bind him. And what did they do? They, they poked out his eyes, and they had him, and he was, had him as a prisoner. And you remember this story. Maybe you don't remember this story, but you should remember this story. But he's there, and there he is, and they, they rest him up uh, uh, there in, in, in the city, and, and they, he's there. And he prays one more time. He says, God, if you will give me power one more time. I know I've messed up. I know I've made mistakes. But, Lord, if you will give me power one more time. And we know the story. And God granted him and the power, and he knocked the city down to his own demise, but he took out the city with him. So the purpose, it's like, hey, is the Holy Spirit going to make me die in a, in a building like that? I don't know. I hope not. <laughs> The purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to be filled with power to be the Lord's witness. So how many of you get timid when you think about sharing the gospel? Be honest. How many, how many have ever been in a moment where you're like, you know you should be telling someone about the love of God, and the Holy Spirit's like, you need to tell them about, about, about me, and, and you're just like, oh, man, I just don't want to be doing that right now, Lord. Not really the time. And then we throw our fleece out there, Lord, if a crow flies by and has a bread, piece of bread in its mouth. And, then, you know, we're like, we, so we throw all this stuff out there. And God's like, I'm not into games. You either want to do it or you don't want to do it. But, I, I mean, we've all been there. But can I tell you what the Holy Spirit does? It gives us power and boldness to be the Lord's witness. You don't want to know what made Peter so bold on the day of Pentecost, Holy Ghost power. You remember, was he very bold uh, when Jesus was dying on the cross? Did he deny Jesus three times? Did he try to hide who he was? Did he try to hide his association with Jesus? 100%. But guess what happened on the day of Pentecost? He was out in front, and he was preaching the gospel. And the scripture says that 3,000 got saved that day. That's just including the men. That's not including the ladies and, and children. Look at this. When I, w when I was growing up, I had a friend, and he was an atheist. And I remember we used to get into some pretty deep discussions at school. And this is how the Holy Spirit works. And I remember... We were talking one time, and he said, you know, we were, and he knew I was a, a, a PK, a preacher's kid, and he knew that I loved God, and he, and he, we were talking one time, and we were friends, we were civil, and we got along, and, and we just agreed to, to disagree with each other. Sometimes you just have to do that, but one day we were discussing something, and he said, he said, there's no way that the Bible's true, and I said, well, give me a point. I said, just give me some kind of reference why you say that, and he says, he goes, well, I'll give you one example. He goes, the ark. He goes, I'll talk about Noah and the ark, and he said, when, if if uh, 
if they weren't on the ark, and he said, and they were, and they were there, and they were at these high altitudes, see, they wouldn't have been able to survive in, in the air, be, you know, because the air quality or the air, uh, the amount of oxygen in the air is less. And so he did that. And, and listen, I'm not a science guy. I am. I I was not that guy. But the Holy Spirit reminded me of something that I learned in science. And when I was there, I, and I looked at him, and I knew I could talk to this guy about science because he, he believed that science was, was the only answer to everything. And I said, listen to me. I said, what you just told me, and I said, what you know. I said, can you tell me something? I said, is, is water more dense than air? And he said, yes. I said, so if the water level comes up, that means that the air level comes up, right? Did I know that? No. Did the Holy Spirit remind me of that? Yes. Man, I remember I walked out of there, and I thought, man. I can't believe I remembered that, you know. And no, it wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit will give you power to be the Lord's witnesses. As a matter of fact, the ministry and the work that God has called you and for our church is going to take the power of the Holy Spirit to move into motion. Now, you guys are attentive today. You're listening very good today. But listen, it's more than just listening. It's not just being a hearer of the word. It's being a doer of the word. Now, look at this. Zechariah 4, 6 says this. The New King James Version says, so he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Hey, that's such a cool name, Zerubbabel. All right, if you want to name your dog that, that's a great name. Zerubbabel. It might be hard to say all the time, though. Not by might, nor by power, but by my, not by might, nor by, but by my, says the Lord of hosts. What does that tell you and me, the things that God wants to do in this house, the things that God wants to do in your life are not going to be in your own power, but it's only going to be by the Spirit of God. All right. The benefits of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is boldness. It will come upon you and fulfill God's purpose in your life. Secondly is this, the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit that follow. Now, we had, we had a, a prophetic utterance. That is, that is a gift of the Holy Spirit. All right, that is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Those are things that come with it. But the, the initial thing that you should have in your life when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, is boldness. All right, I know this is kind of more teaching than it is preaching, but listen, we, we've got to understand this. And if you have not been baptized in the Spirit and you're, and you're a believer in Jesus, can I tell you this? It is for you. It's not just for the pastors. It's not just for the leaders. It's not just for certain people. It is for you. Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? It is for you. You know what? We have not because we. How many of you have asked for the baptism of the Holy Spirit? When's the last time you, you heard somebody preach that? Been a minute, right? And a couple of reasons that I say that, that oftentimes we aren't filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit is the first thing is doubt. You know what gets in the way? My flesh. Because here's the thing. I grew up Pentecostal, and one of the things that we always, that the, us Pentecostals, where we, I think we messed up a lot, is we emphasize the gifts more than the fruit of the Spirit. We put a hard focus on the gifts of the Spirit instead of, and so, and then it got a little, a little wonky and a little crazy at times. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman, and he doesn't want, he wants to draw people to, to Christ, not push them away. And I think sometimes we did things, hey, we've all messed up, we've all made mistakes, but we did things that pushed people away rather than draw people to Christ. And here's what I need, what you need to know is if there's doubt in your mind, 
about the Holy Spirit and about being filled with the Holy Spirit and being baptized of the Holy Spirit, you need to ask yourself this question is, is my flesh in the way? Am I trying to reason this out because I don't necessarily understand? Because here's what it is. You either trust God or you don't trust God. Either you trust him to do the work in your life or you don't trust him to do the work in your life. So here's another thing. Here's another reason why with some of us, you know, you may have been praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you haven't had Here's You may have hidden sin in your life. Bondages. Things that you, you don't really put out on the surface, but they're, it doesn't mean that you're backslidden, but it may be a bondage and then it's not allowing the Holy Spirit to move fully in your life. So I, w- I, w- I want to uh, go back. Now we're going all the way back to Noah now. Going back to Noah, okay. So Noah did something that day when he let the dove loose. The dove couldn't find a place to land. You know what he did? He postured himself in a position to allow the dove to come back to him. Let me, let me just say this today, and this is, I'm going to ask the worship team to come. I've got, I got three little more points, and I promise you we're gonna, I'm going to get through these. Noah put himself in a position of posture for the dove to come back to him. You know what? Are you posturing yourself to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be infilled? Let me ask you this. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, are you, are you illustrating or are you, are you showing that you have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Or is your life just kind of the same old, same old, same old? Are you being the Lord's witness? Because let me tell you something. When you have that transformation in your life, and there's been times where I, the Lord has told me, hey, you need to tell this person something, and I don't know them from nobody, and I've been in the store, and, and God just says, hey, you need to tell that person you love them. I'm like, Lord, right here, right now, I don't know who they are. They may punch me in the mouth. Like, you love me. What are you talking about? And there's been moments in my life where I've done things, not because I wanted to, but because the boldness of the Holy Spirit spoke through me and told me to. And let me just, let me just give you three things here. And I believe that, that, that Noah did to posture himself, to posture himself for the receiving of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going we're gonna to continue this on next week. But I, three things, and you can write these down if you're a note, note taker. Number one. You have to reach out in faith. Reach out in faith. Matthew 5, 6 says this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be. Are you hungry? Do you want God? Do you want him in your life? Then all you got to do is stretch out in faith and say, hey, God, I want it. If you're hungry and you're thirsty, you will be filled. That's Jesus speaking. That's not me. That's Jesus' words. If you're hungry and you're thirsty and you're dry and you say, hey, God, I I need a filling of the Holy Spirit. You know what? All you got to do is reach out in faith. Righteousness is right standing before God. It's doing what's right. And some of us have our hidden bondages and sins. And some of us have our thirst for the world and, and we're thirsting after other things and we come here on Sunday and we feel uplifted and then we go back to those things on Monday. Hey, you're talking now, Pastor. The opposite of faith is doubt. And when we lean on our own understanding, we indeed are walking in doubt that the Lord won't take care of us and He won't answer us. We have to do, I think Noah gave us a great example here. I, I think it's just a beautiful picture. We have to reach out in faith and say, hey, come back. 
faith, I'm reaching out. And the Holy Spirit will come back. And you, you know the story. Matthew 7, 11 says this. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts for your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to you who ask him? The Lord wants to give you the Holy Spirit. Some of you are just afraid to ask. It takes a step of faith. It takes a step of faith. That means you're going to have to put your mind aside. You're going to have to put your doubt aside. Say, hey, God, I just fully trust you. Look at this. If you want to be filled with the Spirit, you should reach out in faith based on God's promise. Look, here's the second one. Reach out in hope. Reach out in hope. Titus 2.13 says, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. The biblical definition of hope is the absolute expectation of coming good. How many are expecting something good from God? Listen, I love that definition. The absolute. You know what that means when you say absolute? It's going to happen. The absolute expectation of coming good. That means something good is about to happen. That means when I reach out in faith and I reach out in hope with expecting, the Lord will answer. It may take some time. You know what? The disciples, they tarried after Jesus went up into heaven. They're sitting there waiting, and he's leaving, and he's gone, and so they can't see him anymore. And then two angels appear under them and say, hey, what are you guys doing? Go do what Jesus told you to do. So what do they do? They go to the upper room, and they start praying. The Bible says they're on one mind and one accord, and there they are. They begin seeking the Lord. They're there. They're reaching in faith. They're reaching in hope. They don't know what the answer will be. They don't know what when it's going to be. You know what? I know why I think Jesus didn't give them a timeline. Because here's the thing. When we know a timeline, we'll come back. We'll walk away. And Jesus will be here 21 days. I'm back. I'm going to go do my agenda. Now I'm going to come back. But that's not the way God works. God wants 100% of you. Not 99.9. He wants 100% of you. I, if I, I'm speaking today, I'm going to tell you, I feel in my heart today that some of you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit because you, you haven't given 100%. Here's what we need to know. They waited 10 days. You say, hey, TJ, do I have to wait 10 days? I don't know. We don't have to no longer wait on the Holy Spirit. We, we actually wait on the Holy Spirit. I, 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 you didn't hear that. You didn't hear the, the word play there. But listen, we no longer have to wait for the Holy Spirit. We actually wait on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. Now we're just waiting on him. Now listen, listen to this. Isaiah 40, 31 says, they that what? Wait up those that wait upon the Lord, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Waiting on God is, we don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit anymore. We have to wait on the Holy Spirit. I, I know that you may have trouble compartmentalizing that in your mind. Why do I have to wait on Him? I suggest that many of us want to be filled. The real issue is that we first got to be emptied. Emptied of sin and emptied of doubt. So we simply need to reach out in faith. Here's the last point right here. We reach out in faith. We reach out in hope. And I like this one. We reach out in love. 
First Corinthians 13. I, I, I'm going to lay something, lay something here. I, I promise. I'm almost done. Paul would write this to the Corinthians. I speak in tongues of men. That's the gift of the Spirit and of angels. But have not love. I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I want to show you something. This is pretty amazing. In, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, it deals with the gifts of the spirits. The gifts of the spirit are word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, and interpretive interpretation of tongues. I don't have time to break those down today. But those are the nine gifts of the spirit that come when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We have power, number one, and those things are available to us. But look at this. In the middle of these two chapters, 12 and 14, is chapter 13. And Paul stops in the middle of talking about these gifts of the Spirit. At chapter 12 and chapter 14, and at chapter 13, you know what he talks about? The fruit of the Spirit. Oh, did you catch that? There's the gift of the Spirit here. There's the gift of the Spirit here. But right in the middle of that is the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Okay. Now, there's, there's a list behind that. But... But the real fruit of the Spirit is, number one, love. That's it. Love. The rest make up love. See, love, in the middle of these two chapters, uh, chapter 13, Paul takes time to talk about the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. And all the gifts, in the middle of all the gifts, should be love. Love is the key to operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, that's what Jesus meant when he told his disciples that the Spirit was in them, and he told them to go to Jerusalem and wait. Jerusalem, you say, hey, why Jerusalem? We're praying for Israel right now, but why Jerusalem? The cry of that city was to crucify Jesus. Now look, so Jesus tells them to go back to Jerusalem, the city that had just crucified him, the city that had just betrayed him, the city that uh, a week before they crucified him were, were, were waving uh, uh, palm leaves and, and shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Remember? They were a fickle group. They loved him. They hated him. They crucified him. But Jesus is saying this, go back to Jerusalem. Now, I'm going to make a strong point here. And it should, it should have been, Jesus should have said this. He should have said, hey, go, go. He should have cast judgment on Jerusalem or he should have cast wrath on Jerusalem. But instead, he's going to pour out the power of the Holy Spirit on Jerusalem. Jesus, instead of cursing Jerusalem, guess what? He blessed them. He put them in a position, reach out in faith, reach out in hope, and reach out in love. So how do I do that, Pastor? Go love on your Jerusalem. What do you mean by that? Go love on the person who wronged you. Go love on your boss who fired you. Go love on the person who hurt you. Go love on the person who offended you. Ooh, I like this till you got to that point. Be like Jesus. Bless them. Love them. And as you will see, the Spirit of God will begin to flow through you, in you, and upon you. Just like Jesus said, you'll be empowered to love your Jerusalem. Some of you need to hear this today. Some of you need to love your wife that left you. Love your spouse who hurt you, who betrayed you. Some of you need to love on the child who rejected you, who grew up and said, hey, I'm 18, I'm going to do my own thing, see you later. I don't need you anymore. You need to love on the boss who hurt you. And can I tell you this, the Holy Spirit will empower you with power.
be God's witness. God wants to do something amazing with you. Can I tell you something? It's going to take the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It's going to take the baptism of the Holy Spirit to get to that next level. And we're praying for breakthrough. And I believe God's going to give us breakthrough. But listen to me. Listen to me. We can't do it on our own. It takes the Holy Spirit and Him alone. Now, now listen to this. I love this because Noah reaching out, waiting on the dove. I'm ready. Come back. Come back. He reached out in faith. He reached out in hope. And he reached out in love. Matter, matter of fact, if you look at this, this verse in Corinthians, it talks about faith, hope, and love. And that's exactly, those are great characteristics of God and the Holy Spirit today. Will you bow your heads with me all across this building? You guys have been so patient today and so great today. Lord, I pray, God, as your people today, Lord, that we would be a people that reach for you. God, not our own agenda, not our own wants, not our own desires, but people that are hungry for the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God, we cannot go to the next level on our own, but, Lord, we can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit, God. We'll learn about it next week, God, but how you radically changed, God, your disciples from hiding being, and most of them being martyrs for you and dying for you. God, I pray today, Lord, those who may be seeking the gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit today, God, I pray that you would open their ears and open their hearts today, God, that from this point on, God, that they would look at it in a different light, in a different way, God, that we would grow towards you. God, I ask, Lord, that you would put us put us in a position of posture, Lord, that is ready to receive. God, help us to get doubt out of our minds. Help us to get sin out of our lives. God, I pray right now, Lord, Lord, that if anyone is in here that doesn't know you today, Lord, that they feel the wooing of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit coming alongside you, beside you. He is with you and he is, he's calling to you and he's saying, hey, I'm Jesus wants a relationship with you. You feel that in your heart today. You say, hey, pastor, I want to know Jesus as my personal Savior with no one looking around. Would you lift up your hand? Anybody in the building, I just want to lead you in a prayer today. Just, just at this moment. We'll take just a few moments here. Anybody in the building? All right, thank you for raising your hand. Will you just pray that everyone pray this prayer with me? Say, Jesus, I ask you, Lord, to be the Lord of my life. Lord, I believe, Lord, that you lived, that you died on the cross, rose from the grave for my sins. God, I confess with my mouth today all my wrongdoings and all my sins. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. Lord, come be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise.